I'm Tom Fenning. And I'm Peter Skerritt. And this is the Beckles Baptist Church Reading Together podcast, a podcast that aims to encourage us as a church family as we read through Tim Chester's book, Enjoying God Together, so to prompt further thinking and further discussion of the things that we have read. Today is podcast 14, and we are looking at chapter 13 in the book, which is entitled, In Daily Repentance and Faith, We Can Enjoy God's Freedom. And so we finished thinking through the chapters of how we relate to each of the people of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now we're, these are kind of summary chapter. This is a summary chapter, just trying to draw things together, highlighting the importance of repentance, turning from our sin, and turning back to God, seeking his forgiveness. Uh, Pete, it's fair to say that he sets the bar pretty high on how important he feels repentance is as Mm. he begins this chapter. Sure does, yeah. Um, Shall I just read? Bottom of page 155. Uh, As I've reflected on what it means to enjoy God, I think this is the number one reason I don't enjoy God more than I do. Not enough repentance. (laughs) So instantly... This is the barrier to the whole book. So I presume, in one sense, it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the book. Mm. Uh, But actually, like you said, it kind of sums it up. How are you going to enjoy God if you feel, as he says, that your relationship is in some sense hindered or encumbered by by sin? Mm. And I guess that's how he starts. He says, think about human relationships. Um, we, We know the experience both ways. When we've done something wrong, you either want to avoid somebody and you feel like it's, it's just tense or awkward um, and they might not accept you. Or the other way, you've, you've actually kind of fessed up and said, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I really shouldn't have said that or done that. And you've received you know, like a bear hug and, and you're kind of welcome back. Um, those are two different experiences of a relationship and, and kind of sin and how, how do you respond to it? And his big thing is, as you, our, our relationship's not broken by sin, but you'll certainly feel it is if you hold on to your sin. Mm. I think that's his big thing. And he take, takes us through Psalm 32, really, doesn't he, to kind of yeah. sum up his point. Yeah. But you, you were saying before, before at the beginning, there's a kind of a front end of sin and a back end of sin. Um, do you want to... Yeah, so, I think, so it just trying to diagnose what it is that keeps us from repenting of our sin, um, on the top of page 156, there are two things. So there's the kind of present experience of sin or mm. carrying out of sin that uh, that action is the thing that keeps us from repenting because if we're going to repent we've got to stop doing what is wrong so that's the kind of present reality of sin um, the front end and such and then there's the sense of shame that naturally comes mm. once we've let god down in whatever whether that's something we've done that is wrong or something good that we failed to do and that, to some extent, is like the afterglow of sin. It's the, it's the back end of sin, mm. um, yeah. that sense of shame. But the sense of shame can cause us to fail to come to God in repentance. Mm. And it's just helpful thinking, okay, those, those are the two things that can be going on. Is it I'm trying to indulge sin on the front end, or I'm just suffocated by shame on the back end? Yeah. And it might be helpful just in thinking through, okay, what is causing me to be slow to repent. Is it that I really like my sin or that I'm really ashamed of my sin? Mm. And either way, it's going to stop me yeah. coming to him. And that is his big point, isn't it, right at the beginning? That, that sin doesn't kind of break off the relationship, uh, but it will certainly make us keep a distance 
if, we, if we're not honest about it. Yeah. Uh, and I, really, I like the phrase he, he talks about on page 156. Uh, repent, we can think of repentance as the gateway to the pleasures of, of God. And, and it can be a squeeze <laughs> to get through the gate. It can be hard yeah. to, to say, yeah, hands up. I'm wrong. I shouldn't have said that, done that, thought that. Uh, but on the other side is this wide open space and it doesn't feel such a tight squeeze and constriction yeah. anymore. So in that sense, repentance sounds, and like you said, a negative word, um, but it's really the pathway to, to his whole idea of and, enjoying God. And I think you get that sense sometimes as a Christian, don't you, that you think, okay, at some point I'm going to re- reach a point where I don't have to go through this narrow mm. squeeze of a gate. I'm just going to live in kind of broad <laughs> lands of just enjoying God, but actually it's a daily gate yeah. to go through a daily habit of repentance. As he, he later in the chapter will talk about kind of yeah. patterns of repentance. Which I guess is assumed actually in the fact that he spends the rest of the chapter talking about a psalm, Psalm 32. Um, mm-hmm. Why did David write a psalm above confession and repentance except for the whole of Israel to sing it yeah. like all the time? Mm-hmm. And that's just a reminder that it is a daily thing for us. Yeah. Sometimes we can be wary of that and think, oh, well, that's a kind of a Roman Catholic thing that people confess their sins um, and then they get absolved by a priest, but actually it's a biblical pattern of confession and repentance. The Lord's Prayer has it yeah. woven right into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Yeah. We pray. Um, okay, let's just work through the chapter a bit, bit at a time. So we start off with, um, on page 156 on this, the mm. secret of happiness. What's the secret of happiness, Peter, and what is oh. it? It's to be blessed and buzzing. Uh, yeah. uh, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. What's the secret to happiness? I think it is knowing and experiencing forgiveness. Mm. As one writer said, yeah, sins forgiven, forgotten, forever. That's blessing. Mm. And Romans 4 picks up on this and just says, that is the happiness we can enjoy. Not to be free of sin. He says no one exists who's free of sin. Um, but to have sins forgiven right. and to know it. So it's not about attaining a spiritual pedigree yeah. or a level of achievement. It's simply saying to God, I'm sorry, yeah. please forgive me. And that is the key that unlocks a door into a realm of God's blessing yeah, yeah. and happiness. And just one picture of that, he picks up on the Day of Atonement. And the, the people of Israel sat around there, and they've confessed their sins on a goat. And this goat wanders off into the, the wilderness. And you can imagine a sense of, of celebration, a very visual idea. Ah, yeah, that's our sin done with, um, paid for. And that's the sense of happiness, mm. blessedness. Yeah. Great. Sins forgiven. Great. Yeah. But it says unconfessed sin ruins the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? I, I just think experientially, yeah. anyone who's been a Christian any length of time just knows that's the case. Yeah. We can walk around in the doldrums because we just are being stubborn and refusing to ask forgiveness. Mm. Um, and sometimes we can play clever tactics, like he talks about on 159, of kind of minimising our sin, saying, oh, it's not really that important. Well, you have no voice there. You let God, God tells you how important your obedience or your sin is. Or we excuse our sin. I'm not really responsible. No, God has given us dignity, says you are responsible. Um, so we might try and play p- clever games. Mm but actually it just crushes our enjoyment of God. Just experientially, I totally know that to be true. And so I think, does anybody who's a Christian... And I think his his third step is one that we can fail to... um, to, That step of 
Oh, indulging temptation. Yeah, yeah, I think we can excuse that all too often because yeah. temptation isn't sin, so we'll just hang out where temptation is, but yep. Yep. It, sin is just a hair's breadth away yeah. from a place of temptation. So I think those, those three things, and we've just got to be honest, that when I start trying to make excuses for my sin or myself, I am withholding enjoyment of God, yeah. and I'm being, I'm being a fool. Yeah. I mean, personally, I would have added a fourth point here as well, in that I think it's one thing for some people to minimise sin. I think some people wallow in their sin, yeah. which is the same thing. Um, I'm more likely to do that. I, think, oh, I know I can't minimise it, but I'm just going to try and make up for it for, by being sorrowful enough about mm-hmm. it, and that is pretty miserable too. Yeah. So that's where I would experience more misery, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this, this key of confessing sin and enjoying God. I, I, I love the way in which he just talks it. He, that there's no delay, there's mm. no gap between confession and forgiveness. It is an instantaneous thing and a joyful thing. Yeah. Um, and that, then that illustration of a, a couple who argue in the morning, it's all tense all day. They, they have this kind of hanging over them, this relationship trouble. And when they come back, what's going to happen Actually, the thing that clears the air is simply saying, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have spoken like that. And he says it doesn't just clear the air often, that's where more renewed affection comes from it. I think that's quite true, true Mm -hmm. with God too. And Um, so the application is therefore, don't be a donkey. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be stubborn as a mule. But yeah, confess, acknowledge, don't cover up. And he has, I, I think what he says at the bottom of 162 is a real ouch moment because he says we could get in our minds the sense in which God's holding us at arm's length until we've kind of mustered up enough brownie points for him to say, okay, now you can be forgiven. Mm. Whereas he says, actually, if we understand the mechanics of forgiveness, the only person who's holding the other at arm's length is us. We are holding God's at arm's length in that moment when mm. we're refusing to confess our sin and repent of it. And that's a real, yeah, that's, hmm. ouch. Yeah, yeah. I think it's true. I think it's, it's an accurate diagnosis of all that's going on there. You said, uh, just to close, I suppose, um, those four suggestions right at the end are really helpful. Mm-hmm. Repent of every sin. Repent from every temptation. Repent every day. Repent every week. Yeah. Uh, I found particularly the second point really mm. challenging. I found myself, even the last couple of days, actually out loud saying, no. <laughs> Yes. He says, say a decisive no to something, and I, I thought that was a bit weird when he wrote it down, but actually I found it very helpful. Which meshes with yeah. what we looked at in home groups a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Titus 2, where it yeah, says yeah. the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodly. <laughs> yeah. Verbally or actively. Ungodliness <laughs> and worldly passions. Yeah, yeah. say no. Yeah. Say no. Yeah. And I, think, I just think the repent of every sin and repent of every temptation don't need to be extravagant, flamboyant things. Yeah but actually just little habits of doing it regularly and the moment mm. is to put sin to death. Mm. And if we fail to do that regularly, well, as he says later, if, we, if you're not murdering sin, sin will be murdering you. Mm. Uh, final thing, just I think that there's a John Calvin quote, um, which as we've seen as we've gone through these things, Tim Chester loves, <laughs> um, just he says, page 165, he quotes and basically says, it's in that understanding of God's forgiveness and favour that it cashes out in generous service of other people. So this is not a kind of a mm-hmm. pietistic, um, selfish thing, but actually knowing forgiveness mm. 
you cash out in generous love towards yeah. other people too. And I know we're running over time, but uh, preparing for um, that story, thinking about the prodigal son, I can't help but think of the, this younger son who wasted all, treats his father outrageously, but then he, he's welcomed back into the house and you can't help but think his service and love and relationship with his father would be an awful lot stronger and more joyful and more committed because of everything that he has received in terms of grace. Mm. I think that's true for us too. Very true, very true. Well, that ends um, our 14th podcast, looking at chapter 13 in the book. We'll be back uh, next time uh, with the final chapter as we look at chapter 14 and going under the hood. Hope to see you then.